This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Intro music. That's not it. What? He's no good to me, Dad. Intro music. Intro music. Bounty hunting is a complicated profession. Bounty hunting is a complicated thing, just like podcasting. Yeah, but we're still trying to do it. That's all right. But you know, when it when it comes to complicated professions, it always helps to have a professional on board. And it does. We are lucky enough today on Bantha Milk Podcast to have a professional bounty we do. hunter. And we're not talking about board. Nick or I. No, no, that guy that's turning around by looking all over his shoulder for who we're talking about. That guy right there. That guy is the professional. We are very lucky and and uh, honored to be graced by the one and only Mark Anthony Austin. Even though if you're watching us live on YouTube, it just says Mark Austin. So I yeah, you're credited as a couple different things: Mark Austin, Mark Anthony Austin. What do you like to go by here? Well, that's the thing is that when they ask you, or if they ask you. If they ask you, what would you like on the credits? I always put my middle name down because when I left England, there was a very famous reporter, Mark Austin, on the BBC. If you, okay. if you Google Mark Austin, you'll probably get the reporter first. Okay. Because he's a worldwide journalist, you know? Sure. So if they ask you, I'd put Mark Anthony Austin. But for the longest time, I had two IMDBs. I had Mark Austin and Mark Anthony Austin. I was like, dudes, okay. can you put these together? Right. Like, I'm the same person. It's can the you same guy. Have one? It took years to do, but finally they put everything together. So, so there's like IMDb red tape you had to get through to merge those two together. Yeah. yeah. All right. Think of that, yeah. Astounding as that sounds. Wow. <laughs> that is great. Well, we are Bantha Milk Podcast, as those of you who are listening probably understand and recognize. And uh, we are here with Mark Austin, Mark Anthony Austin, who is of Star Wars fame, right? Yes. Uh, you see he's wearing the man himself on his shirt right there. Uh, how do we, how do we come across this this guy? Give, give a rap sheet here, Rob. Uh, well, okay. So we found out about Mark. I'm going to call you Mark because we're such good friends. Cheers, um, Mark. You know, we've known each other for so long. Uh, and I'm picking up a weird accent. I want to say maybe Southern or California, maybe. I wouldn't say English at all. But uh, – or am I wrong there? I think it's English. You man. think it's English? I think he's yeah. probably from England, brother. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yes. <laughs> well, so, so you're obviously you came from England. Did you have? Did you start your career in England? Did you move uh, to California to start your career? Or continue career? How did that happen? Well, in England, my career was as a 2D animator. Okay. So I was 2D animator making uh, commercials for England, and so if if you were English. I would better drop a couple of names. You'd be, oh my god, I remember that commercial. Sure, sure. Uh, but in the states, we didn't make any uh, commercials. So my career was like the first five years were in the UK, and then um, the uh, commercial company I was working for, the two guys had been going since the fifties. They were ret- retiring, and uh, so I was with, without a job for a couple of months until ILM called. And okay. um, yeah, so. It so started I, in England and went to California pretty quickly after that. Sure. Okay. So when you first started at ILM, 
I know they they filmed all the original movies over in England and stuff like that. So where was there an ILM branch in England still active? And did you start working there or you just hopped on a plane and flew over the pond and off to California you went? Yeah, it was uh, luckily it was just by chance that a friend of mine went to an ILM uh, lecture in London, in West End of London, which is like the, the theatre district of London. Sure. So he went to his big ILM buff. He would buy movies if Ireland did, did the title, the, the, the opening credits. Like, it didn't matter if they did the, you know, the dinosaurs or whatever. If, even if they did the credits, he would buy that movie. He was big ILM nutter. Okay, sure. And, uh, and so he went to see this uh, lecture from, uh, from the guys talking about how they did the Jurassic Park effects. And so very late at night, I guess when he'd already finished the lecture, gone out with these guys to a bar, gotten talking to them, at that point, he called me at home, and so I got a, le- uh, a phone call really late saying, I- I'm, at the- I'm at this bar with these ILM guys. And I said, oh, you must be in heaven, Steve. I'm like, great. <laughs> and he goes, yeah, but they uh, guess what? They're looking for animators. And I said, well, that's great and all, but they- unless they do 2D animation, I-, I really haven't got anything to offer. No, 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 no. They, they want to take 2D guys and, and train them in the computer because they need a whole crew for this movie Casper that they're going to be making. So um, he said, you should, uh, I got, I got their hotel phone number. Why don't you give them a call and say, you know, would you like to see my portfolio and showreel? I've already kind of like said, I know somebody. So I, you know, they, they got the heads up. And so that's what literally I did. I called him at the hotel nice. <laughs> myself and said, could I visit you in your hotel in London and bring along my portfolio and a VHS of my commercials I'd made. And that was my in. Awesome. Okay. Did you, did you say you were, uh, they were looking for 2d animators for Casper? Yeah. 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 All that's right. Why, that's, that's why I made the trip. It was literally for a run of run of picture contract, which, uh, they estimated 18 months. Okay. So this is from January of 94 to July of 95. Okay. And, you know, you have to go along to the embassy and they gave me lots of names to drop, like, oh, Steven Spielberg's the producer. It's like, right. make sure you say that at the embassy because right. that'll get you through a door quicker, you know. Sure. Mention George Lucas owns the company. That'll get you through a door quicker. Sure. Um, but that, that was why I came over, just for that. I thought for just an 18-month extended job and then I thought I was going to be returning home. But I'm still here. You're still here. Well, that's, we're still glad here. you are, obviously. <laughs> so, so can, why specifically were they looking for 2D animators to to bring over into a 3D uh, animation realm? I'm not. I don't know a whole lot about animation, so I'm, it's just interesting to hear. Yeah. That. Well, you have to think about what time this is. This is 1993. Sure. 1993. There aren't computer animators. Right. That, now, you, now you go to a movie, you see an art. You know, it just scrolls up, and it's just animators, CG animators. Right. You know? It's different now. 1993, there were none. There were a handful that worked on Jurassic Park, but most of the animators back then had done uh, special effects, so uh, trying to um, give the sense of realism, like Terminator 2 when he walks out of the, the fire. Yeah, that, right. you know, they wanted it to look like a real person. When it was the water tentacle in the abyss, they wanted it to look like a real water tentacle. You know? Sure. Uh, they wanted to, when they did uh, Jurassic Park, they wanted dinosaurs to move realistically. So. This was the first time that they'd ever kind of taken on a job where the client would like the animation to be uh, respectful to the history, the Harvey cartoons, 
comic right. books sure. and cartoons of Casper. Um, but they needed not just realistic movement, they needed a personality. So what I got pigeonholed into was a character animator. Okay. And, uh, you know, this is 1993. So where do we get 25, 30 character animators? They don't exist. Right. So the traditional method before had been uh, computer guys learning animation. And so they thought the software is that uh, user friendly and that intuitive now. They could take uh, a guy who already knows animation in 2D and just teach him the new tools and then set him off. And, you know, we have a 3D animator in right. 10 weeks as, as opposed to like three years. Right. Okay. So that's what they did. It was a ex grand experiment on the part of ILM. And um, a whole bunch of us got brought over just to train in Softimage, which was the computer software back then. It's now Maya, but back in that day, it was Softimage. And so, you know, I, I luckily did the training and during the training, we were doing improv classes, we were doing acting classes, we were doing, uh, you know, artistic development classes to kind of be for some artists in general. And during that time, uh, I got asked if I would be the lead for Casper. And uh, Phil Robinson got asked if he would lead the ghostly trio. So he had the much bigger job than I did in some ways oh, yeah. because he had three characters, but I had the lead character. So it all balanced out. And, and halfway through the movie, they scrapped these two supervisors and they divided everything that was left into sequences and made uh, I think like six or seven sequence supervisors. So my 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 credit kind of got downsized a bit to <laughs> right. sequence one of six or seven sequence supervisors. But originally it was uh, the Casper character supervisor. Sure. But that, that's kind of the nuts and bolts of it. I I mean I. I loved Casper when I, I'm yeah. a little younger than you are, Rob. I, I did watch when it, Casper yeah. came out. I loved it. I remember I got like they had the McDonald's cups, like the mm -hmm. mugs and stuff. I was super <laughs> into it, man. My parents like were collecting them. They swore they'd be worth something someday. Uh, so it's just really cool to have have that. Oh, look at that! You got them right there behind you. There, he's got a Rick and Morty and a, a slave layer, but still, there's there a, you go. Oh, that's yeah. that we got given as a crew. That's awesome. Wow. That's really, and so that's how you got your start at ILM. Uh, yeah. And and so from that, you said you had expected it to be 18 months, but obviously it, it lasted longer than that. And how did you, how did you manage it? I just, they were, they said, you did good work. We've got something else coming up. You, you're you free. Is that how it works? Uh, they literally, um, they, they let the cat out or the wrong person let the cat out of the bag. Okay. Uh, I should have been officially spoken to by somebody, but instead I, I got sent to HR and I thought I was going to HR to get my <laughs> ticket home. Sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'd already called my, my family and said, you know, I'm coming back and my mum was really pleased. And um, I went up to HR and they said, okay, so we have you down uh, as uh, one of the animators on New Hope Special Edition. I'm like, really? <laughs> You're like, oh. Okay. That's but, good news. <laughs> but I have a, what about my, because I had to like, you know, jump through hoops of fire to get this work visa. What about my work visa? They said, oh, we, we have you down here as full-time employee. Is that okay? Uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> sure. I, I, I'm, Sorry, I'm Mom. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, I'll be coming back for a while. <laughs> um, but that was, that was only for, they, they said, well, it's going to be a six-month gig. So you're going to be here until, you know, the turn of the next year. So, okay. Right. And um, that's how I, I, got, how I got extended. Sure. 
That's awesome. So you went from Casper right into the the special edition for Star Wars. That was the that yeah. was the progression, and and that's and that's, and that's why we have you here. Yeah. Right? That's that's for us your greatest role, right? <laughs> uh, so you had a couple different responsibilities on that set, though, didn't you? Well, the uh, everyone thinks that the blue screen shoot and doing the creature effects happened at the same time, but the blue screen shoot happened during Casper. Oh okay. wow. Yeah, I, I made my friendship with Don Bees and uh, and had I wasn't allowed access to the archives, but because I had my in knowing Don, right? Uh, he just said, you know, if you ever want to come back, you know, bring your friend. I was like, are you serious? Because I will be back. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I will be back a lot, and I did. I went, I made trips to the archives when anyone came into town, just an excuse to go back there and look at all the stuff and pick you know it's, it's like in a museum except you can pick it up and look at it and go, oh my god you know sure um, i'm uh i'm on travelocity right now yeah, booking right? A flight, so, <laughs> yeah let me know so as your friend we'll be we'll be <laughs> right over goes to yeah. the archives yeah. <laughs> i wish i wish i still had that in yeah. um, but anyway uh at the time uh i got to know don bees uh, I, I was visiting the archives a lot he knew i was completely obsessed with boba fett and boba fett above anything else um it was very very clear from the first time we met and um so fast forward a, a lot of details but at one point he gave me a call and said that they're doing a summit to promote the re-release of the movies he didn't mention anything about special editions he just said the re-release of the movies they sure. They're going to release it theatrically for the new generation of fans. In other words, the kids of the fans. That it was me. You know, that was. I yeah. mean, I was ten years old when the uh, the the original uh, the remasters the came remasters out. Remasters came out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. exactly for for all for you and and everyone you know with you, they wanted to hype up the uh, originals, and so they held a summit, kind of invited all the people that had the license to to sell in you know, the Star Wars brand. And um, originally they were planning on having maybe, I think like 12 volunteers. I was gonna have like maybe like 10 stormtroopers and a Darth Vader, and that was it. And they were, the original idea was that they'd have all the uh, guys in the theater at Skywalker Sound. And then when they finished showing the new cuts of the trailers, the re-releases, that stormtroopers suddenly filed down the the aisles you know what's yeah. going on you know there's all surprise and then darth vader you hear the the breath you know sure and he comes out and he mentions something like you know we'll be honored if you join us you know in some drinky poo afterwards okay so that was the original idea and so some some bright spark <laughs> decided to send an email to the entire ilm saying who would like to be a stormtrooper well, you can imagine how many people responded. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure. It was in excess of 100, way in excess of 100. It was enough that they decided, wow, we could really do something uh, a bit more adventurous here, a bit more, you know, a bit bigger. Sure. So what they ended up doing was uh, building the cantina, the Mos Eisley cantina, on one of the sound stages uh, with tables around it and, and places to sit and, and they had drinks proper drinks behind the, the bar they had you know dry ice pumped everywhere so there's smoke everywhere they had stormtroopers checking ids on the door they still i think did that same thing i think that happened because i was part of the cantina crew but i think they still did that announcement 
in the theater i think i'm not sure okay uh but eventually they end up in in into this bar and my job was to you know uh he said would you there's a certain character that you would be interested in playing. So that's all he said. I mean, the and, answer is always going to be yes anyway. Yeah. <laughs> well, he said, he said, there is, there is, don't build your hopes up. He said, he okay. said, if you don't, if you don't fit the flight suit, it's a, it's a Swedish flight suit that everything attaches to sure. underneath. If you don't fit the flight suit that everything attaches to, then we're going to have to find you another character. So come along one lunchtime i think i went i went the very next lunchtime <laughs> come along one lunchtime and try on the suit and uh, you know it's kind of like a cinderella slipper thing oh yeah there you go Just so that's like what it glove. was it, it, it like a glove you know, <laughs> it was like, uh, how, did it, how did it feel yeah. that first time suiting up in that boba oh. fett armor see i already thought i already thought i already thought as a boba fett fan i already thought i'd hit the pinnacle of fanness by actually you know touching and sure. putting on the helmet and looking sure. at the arm and touching the or one set because they have enough pieces to make several suits because of right. breakages stunts sure. etc sure but i thought i'd already i've reached the pinnacle of it can't get any better than this this is the armor and it's not behind glass i can pick it up that's it so for when i got to wear that armor that was like a whole another Sure. Well, yeah. it can't get any better than this. Exactly. Exactly. And, uh, and then it and, did. And then it did. Right. That's right. <laughs> then it did. So, yeah. So, okay. I'm just trying to live my life through through your experiences right vicariously, now. Vicariously. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, vicariously through you. It's amazing. Um, so then you're in the cantina. You're dressed as Boba Fett. You're hanging out, whatever. And then, well, you also did that scene, the blue screen scene. Was that after the cantina shoot then, or after, after the cantina? Uh, yeah, after the cantina shoot, uh, this this whole summit, which was four hours, is four hours basically practicing to wear the suit. And, there you go. And handle the gun, you know, the blaster, and be comfortable in jetpack and you know all the pieces. So four hours uh, is a decent chunk of time. Then they they said. Um, I guess everyone that came to the summit went back to their companies and said, Oh my God, blah, blah, blah. So next thing I know, I had Don calling up saying, Oh, would you be willing to do a second one? It was so successful. Oh, nice. That And they've, they've kind of they've spoken to it about to all their peers. All the execs now want to come. I guess the execs didn't want to go. They, they sent people to go, Oh, just go along and see what this is about. You know? Right. But as soon as they heard, they wanted to go. <laughs> so the, the execs weren't as, uh, they weren't as big a fanboys. It wasn't as fun a summit because they weren't, you know, fat, yeah. true fans. Yeah, yeah. They were there to go, oh, this is, really this there is enjoyable, fun, yeah. you know, yeah. showing yeah. their tire, you know. <laughs> right. It wasn't as enjoyable, but that was, that second one happened. So eight hours in the soup. Okay. <laughs> and then on the heels of that, I was working at my desk uh, and uh, someone came up. Um, I guess I could say it's been that many years. I said at the time a little bird, but okay. Carl Miller, thank you, Carl, Carl Miller. He came up to my desk and he's, he's a cameraman at Ireland. And he said, uh, I heard they're going to do a blue screen shoot and put Boba Fett into this re-release. Uh, I said, oh my God, really? That's awesome. He goes, well, why don't you, you, you just did those summits. So why don't you email the producer, Tom Kennedy, the Ireland producer, 
and tell him that you conveniently fit the suit, you know, right. you, never know. Yeah, you sure. could even get asked to do it. Yeah. I was like, uh, well, uh, what, what's he get, what, can, what am I going to say when he says, how do you know? You know, well, don't t- don't tell him I told you. <laughs> so that's why I wrote a little bird told me blah blah blah, and the first uh, reaction was anger. Oh wow! Okay, like, like, like how how can this get out? This is you know they, they're very we want every kind of tight on yeah. Yeah, uh, information and security leaks and stuff like that. So it's like how did you know blah blah blah? And I said, oh, well, I promise I wouldn't say. And that was that. And I thought, yeah. oh, shoot. Well, well there goes well, that. Misfired. Yeah. yeah. Maybe they misfired. And then two weeks after that, um, Steve Williams, Spaz Williams came up. He was like the, uh, the, the, the hot. He was the animator. He was like the, the head honcho. Okay. okay. He was at the time uh, supervising the mask. Jim Carrey's okay. the mask. Oh, great. So he comes up to my desk and, and he said, um, he said, uh, yeah, they're, they're going to go ahead and do it. And I, I'm animating Jabba, but I hear that you're going to be in the suit. And I was like, <laughs> really? And so all I had was his word on it. I, right. I didn't know whether I could tell anyone. I didn't know if it was true. I, right. It was nothing official. And so it was the most, well, I had a lot of frustrating kind of, you know, just waiting from 1994 to 1997 for the release was the longest two years. Oh, yeah, sure, I'm sure. Yeah. Longest, because oh, yeah. all I had was just my immediate friends that were there yeah. to believe that this right. story was real. Sure. So, um, but anyway, um, it, then I got a, a call from Tom Kennedy and saying, you know, if, if you would be willing, we'd love to uh, do the shoot. It's on December 6th. Uh, you're going to have to get permission from your production, the Casper production for the uh, day off okay so this was during that casper production this is during 94 so this is like i felt at 94 i'd won the lottery because i was working for george yeah on a movie where you actually get credited because commercials there's no credits sure sure uh i I got to touch the suit wear the suit (laughs) and now i was maybe gonna wear it for a a, a scene in a movie it was like i'd won the lottery that year so they could and probably then, sell tickets yeah. for that. 94 <laughs> is my favorite number. That's it. There 94. you go, yeah. Docking Bay 94, 1994. That's right, yeah. fit. Uh, and there's lots of other things that fit kind of coincidentally. Like my dad's name. My dad's name Bob Allen. Bob A. Boba. Boba, like, yeah. All right. Yeah. Wow. So it, 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 it's all kismet. It, it had to. Everything, it had everything all... kind of came together. Yeah, it was like yeah. a perfect storm. It was meant to be. And so... um. Yeah, so that's how it happened. That I had to wait till uh, you know December sixth for the shoot, and then I put the same costume on I'd worn before, so I was familiar with it. They still hadn't swapped the shoulder bells, but okay. I wasn't gonna I wasn't gonna say, hey, let's not shoot this. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not gonna I'm not gonna entertain any idea of not or postponing the shoot. I right, to right. Do it. So even though the mythosaur was on this side. Don't worry, we'll, your 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 cape will cover it up. It did. Okay, it did. Don't worry, your cape will cover it up, and it didn't. But uh, yeah, that's how it happened. Um, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah. So mm-hmm. so it's fun. I I was thinking that this was reverse of the way you're saying it went down. I was thinking, you know, you're working at ILM, you're working on the Star Wars, and then you're like, oh, we're gonna, I'm gonna, I'm in charge of this scene. 
with Boba and Han and all that stuff. And since I'm in charge of it, I'm going to throw myself in, in the, in the shot back there. But this all happened preceding you even getting onto the, onto the movie set. So that's really cool. And it just so happens that he was the perfect size, perfect size. You are. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The, I mean, size. I, mean I don't know. Have you, have you ever met Tamira Morrison, the guy who plays the, the Django and the Boba Fett now? No, I'm wondering have, if you're if yeah. you're around the same size, if like, yeah, how, how close to that that becomes. I mean, me and Jeremy were at the same height. Sure. Whenever okay. I was, he was a bit shorter, but I guess you know he was older, so you know I, I'm getting shorter over the years. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, we were similar size, and you know, when I stand next to Dickie Beer, he's, he's similar size, and sure. the only one that isn't is Daniel. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he, but he's baby fat, so it doesn't matter. So that That's doesn't it. matter, right? Um, so as in your stories, you're talking about all these guys from ILM and stuff like that. Uh, and you have a, a Netflix mug there, um, on Netflix right now, they have a show, the movies that made us, um, and they did a whole thing on Jurassic park. I don't know if you watched it or not, or know anything about it, but they, uh, they follow Steve Spaz all over the place in this, in this documentary. So it was fun you being like, Oh, Spaz. And I'm like, wait, that name sounds familiar. Sure. And I'm like, Oh yeah. I remember watching him all, all on that movies that made us thing. So that was really cool that, uh, you know, you're right there with him during this whole time and, and, and all that, that fun stuff. So for us as fanboys, you shouting out all these names and you're yeah. like, Oh yeah, I talked to George and I did that and blah, blah, blah. We're like, Oh, like, this <laughs> yeah. is like amazing. So um, yeah, you, know, you you mentioned Jurassic Park a lot. It does seem like Jurassic Park was sort of like a shatter point in in uh, animation. Something seems like it shifted at Jurassic mm-hmm. Park. Um, so is that is that is that the facts? Is it is was Jurassic Park sort of like a watershed moment for animation in in movies? I think Jurassic Park just opened the the Pandora's box to what was possible with okay. computer animation. You know. Um, because you know in, inherently before cg you'd have a you know the stop motion guys ray sure. harryhausen he essentially has a wire armature that he moves frame by frame and it gives the illusion that you know that the creature is alive right and so spaz was like well we we can make that equivalent in the computer but i have way more control over it because we can go right. forward and go backwards we can wait till we're happy with it and then we can render it so we can perfect anything we'd like you know, so we can make a dinosaur dinosaur skeleton walk and then throw on the skin and make it appear that the skin is attached to those bones. Sure. And there's going to be a relationship between what that bone does and what the outside skin does. And each bone has a certain amount of influence. And he was the guy, the guy, the genius that thought that up. And so a, a lot of people were disappointed, like, you know, Stan Winston, obviously, because that meant a lot of his work would be kind of, under the yeah realm, the realm of all this yeah so the CG sure. animators to do, but then at the same time they thought well we could actually do attach anything to these bones and make anything come alive even cartoon characters you know even ghosts so it kind of that it did it it, it turned a switch sure and yeah. You can argue whether that switch got taken too far, which it did in the 2000s. And luckily, we've just right. realized that, hey, maybe we need you know a, a good amalgamation of both. Let's use the CG where we need it and use the practical where it's better right. at and make movies that feel a lot more real because they've got the, equal, uh, the right balance between the two. Yeah. So, 
Yeah. And, and that's that's somewhere where I feel like some of the more recent Star Wars is doing well. And I don't know how much you've watched The Mandalorian. I don't know how much you've watched uh, some of the newer stuff. But I feel like they're finding a balance between that yeah. CG and the practical effects. Whatever you feel about the story of the new Star Wars movies and, and the direction of the movies, they really are finding this balance between the two that I think is really cool. Yeah, that's what that's why I say in some of the podcasts. I say regardless of what you feel about the story, it looks yeah. much yes. better than okay. the prequels. Prequels, if, if, if I could say something good came out of the prequels, it was the fact that we realized that we can overdo it with CG. Sure, right, sure. And that not go that doesn't go for just the viewing audience, it goes for the actors on the set, you know, you know, you McGregor, bored crapless because you stand on the green screen with a green rod and then yeah. everything's green. Yeah. Uh, I always mention uh from Hook. Okay. Um, Tinkerbell, uh Julia sure. Roberts. Julia Roberts, yeah. I love that one of my favorite movies. But following her filming that she vowed never ever ever to do anything like that again because she sure. didn't see another actor for yeah yeah for the, the whole four months she was shooting or something yeah she was she was just she was just on her on own. her own well yeah and then they were just like looking at a dot the whole time i like, read pretending similar that she things about ian mckellen when he was filming the hobbit you know, they, there was so much CG put into the Hobbit series, and he was, you know, Gandalf, so he was this big. And he, uh, I, I heard stories. And Lord knows if it's true, but I've heard enough stories that I, I'd imagine it's probably true that at some point he was, he just got so frustrated at being just like just surrounded by nothing and having to act towards nothing because mm -hmm. actors feed off each other. You know, there's yes. there's there's that thing that happens with acting where you 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 feel each other, you get the emotions from each other. Uh, so I really I get that totally. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Whenever I've done any scenes with, uh, like, I, I've done acting classes and acting school and stuff like that, and whenever I've done any scenes with another person, the dynamic you have to listen more because you have to play off how they intonate their lines. Right. Very important to listen rather than just regurgitate your lines when the opportunity comes up. Right. But you get so you feel like there's someone with you, and, and the two of you can make it work. And when you're on your own on a blue screen set you just you, you by yourself you know yeah yeah you sometimes you know you're listening to somebody talking off stage but you know they're they're not where the sound is supposed to be coming from yeah. so it can be really weird uh you know i george lucas and i you know we go way back we hang out all the time and all that stuff and i told him you know i've never met the man like you have um <laughs> but uh, but i feel like what you were saying with the with the prequels was it was almost like he finally had all this technology at his hands that he wanted to use it so much and make everything look so cool, you know? And even when you guys digitally remastered a new hope, you put in all those little extra things. And I feel that was, a was good. Like in the cutscenes when there's extra like Bantha's walking by that you couldn't animate, you know, or, or stop motion or whatever. In my opinion, I think it. I think it added to the movie. But sure. then, when you see the prequels that are just so overly CGI'd, it was like he he was so excited that he could finally do all this stuff. It was almost like the line in Jurassic Park: "You didn't think whether or not you should do it, right? You yeah. know, yeah." And now, like you said, the the last latest movies, they've now been able to combine everything together. So you have CGI, you have real stuff, and it, like you said, it totally looks so much better now. So um, how, yeah. how did you how did you strike that balance on the on the special editions, right? Because 
because you definitely i'm sure that's something you had all this new technology at your hands right so what what did what was your approach when you were going into the special effects and and the animation for the, well, the special edition well i don't i don't think we did strike the balance on the special editions because okay. um it was i think that was his testing ground okay for the prequels sure i i totally believe that because uh, we were we were trying out some ideas okay like okay. like, like if the the, the ronto I, I say this a lot but the ronto if you take away the skin it's the brachiosaur okay, okay. yeah so they took the brachiosaur skeleton the and they just took the skin off and they put the ronto they designed the ronto around the brachiosaur cg skeleton and, and when and the 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 scurriers are velociraptors. Okay. okay. The ones that run out of the way of the... Yeah, the little guys. Yeah. 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 They're, they're velociraptors. So he, he had this idea that he wanted to pursue, which was the uh, kind of um, recycling of computer animation or sure. uh, kind of reusing. In other words, you can... Uh, I always use this as a, an example, but, you know, you, you animate one step droid and then you copy it to a thousand others and then you have a whole army of step droids right but right, it's one right. piece of animation yeah so, and so he that just for him it was like whoa the possibilities you know sure. so i think we were the testing ground for that and and you know i was i was always arguing why are we why aren't we getting the uh, jabba puppet out of the archives i don't think it actually i never did see it in the archives i think it might have deteriorated Okay. okay to the point because there was a latex and stuff yeah but i couldn't understand why we were why that worked so well and why we were struggling with this computer version and uh steve asked me to come down to the pit the pit was his den okay he, him and his little buddies were it's a kind of a little dungeon and so i went along to the pit and he said uh mark you couldn't help me with this uh lip sync could you i said i'm not, i'm not touching that hideous thing <laughs> I, I'll, I'll give you some pointers on, on what i i can critique it but i'm not touching i'm, I'm not touching sure. anything uh, i have all the other creatures to do so anyway i didn't want another one uh, and and i didn't understand why they were pursuing something that it, it already looked like it didn't work sure from the get-go and um so i, I originally when i got hired for new hope there was never going to be an empire special right. edition or jedi okay they, they literally just beef it up uh number four so that when they did these digital one two and three it wouldn't suddenly drop to 1970s optical right. effects okay. with okay. wire wire wings blowing up with pink flames that, right. that kind of stuff annoyed george sure but the limitations of blue screen kind of irked george a bit okay like, so he lived with the the pink flames for the wire wings but he really wished they were yellow you know like right. flame okay. colored again yeah and so we originally we were just gonna bump up new hope to kind of bridge that gap a little bit sure almost but, like a, uh, like an advertising campaign for the new like this is this is the the technology we've got wait till, wait till you see what's coming next sort of thing. almost but but if you're going to watch them in order there wouldn't be a sudden right. change right. in the look of the you know sure how uh developed the, the, the effects were sure yeah so um I, I i always thought that he was getting us to uh experiment with how far he could push the cg effects a lot of the cg effects are invisible to the public 
because when he went into the desert and shot those stand, stand troopers, sure. Uh, or actually, most of the shots in New Hope and the other two, he stretched a pantyhose over the end of the camera. Reason being that you have a, a slight gauze and you shoot through, it knocks back details like uh, Phillips screwdriver heads, you know, okay, okay. things like that. So it knocks, dampens down the effects. So think things are more believable. The costumes suddenly become a bit more believable because you can't see there's a paint mark. It's not a real scratch, but a paint right. of yeah. silver line, you know. So he, he, we had to make a computer pantyhose filter for all of our <laughs> pristine, yeah. you know, all your perfect clean, shots, yeah. All perfect shots are crystal clear. We had to knock them back with this pantyhose filter to match the oh my original goodness. optical. <laughs> so you're saying whenever <laughs> I'm seeing a sand trooper in A New Hope, I'm looking through pantyhose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it, man. That's, that's just some good Star Wars information to have right there. <laughs> that's a good bit of Star Wars trivia. <laughs> Oh my goodness, that's crazy. This is is it. We've got an insider with inside information. I know. We would have gone to our graves without that. Without knowing (laughs) these things. Without knowing these. Um, I'm going to jump around just a little bit, but staying with your Star Wars, jumping back to when you were on the blue screen being Boba Fett, um, just for one silly little question. Um, So when you you were there, in that shot, there's a whole bunch of – actually, two questions. There's a whole bunch of uh, other – uh, bounty hunters, I guess you would call them. They look like guys just in like robes and stuff like that. Were all those guys on the same set at the same time, or were they all filmed separately? Um, and were they other ILM people, or were they just extras and stand-ins and stuff like that? They were already in the 1976 footage. Oh, okay. okay. Yeah. Oh. So, so the only person missing was the guy in the bear skins. Okay. I gotcha. But all, all right. those other guys were on the original set. They so were I, I was just like Judah Roberts. I was on my own. You were on right. your own. Blue screen. Okay. They had a piece of tape on the rear wall of the rear blue screen wall to show where, if I was following Han Solo up the ramp, that would be the last point at which his eye line would have been. Okay. okay. So I had something to look at for my okay. exit. They wanted me to check, make sure that the, everything was clear and then exit, but they always kind of conscious of the top of the ramp of right. the fountain. Okay. Very now, cool. in that scene, obviously, like if you you can go on YouTube and find all these like extras, and I think it might have been in the uh, Star Wars, the uh, Empire of Dreams documentary. I forget, but uh, that scene was originally shot with just kind of this big Dom DeLuise kind of looking fella, right? And y'all digitally placed Jabba on top of him. Was that one of your projects that you had to deal with? No. Okay. Uh, because my, my job was, you know, even when I was doing the Rontos, I'd animate the Ronto uh, in front of the, uh, the plate, but it would be someone else's job to put the Ronto into the plate and comp it in. So okay. Steve Williams was doing the Jabba animation and sending it to someone to put into the plate. And they put Jabba into the plate and they had Han walking around. Right. And then and it, always, it, it was looking okay. Right. It was looking okay. It, better than it ended up. <laughs> because then, then someone I don't I don't remember who said it. I don't remember who said it, but someone said, What about Jabba's tail? And I was like, No, that doesn't matter. It's movie magic. It's movie right, magic. Right. Yeah. Why why I, we seems like George would care world. about that. Uh-huh. George would care about that specific yes. detail. Plant the seed, you plant yeah. the seed. Uh, what are you doing? And because uh, it happened uh, on another shot, a Ronto shot that I did that it kind of blew up into this big fiasco, but 
someone mentioned the the tail and and sure enough they went down that route where they were uh, comping yeah. but also animating in the, the uh, yeah the vertical yeah you know like he was moving over. it just was moving oh, hands yeah horrible, horrible. And you, you didn't have your hands in that decision you had no choice in that matter and i was it, in charge of creatures so everything okay. that wasn't jabba was my responsibility awesome the banthas the uh so what are the, oh, what are the banthas, lizard creatures Dubaks. 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 Right. Dubaks, yeah. fake stormtroopers fake jawas droids and speeders Okay, so great. Oh, and, and that whole Moss Eisley entrance, yeah. they've got all those speeders and the Ronto yeah. and uh yeah, all right. So that's all you. That's we can put a face. There we go. Now. Yeah, now we know watch. who did all that. Rock on. Uh and I, I mean I love that scene. Like just seeing it because so I was I was born in seventy three. I don't remember seeing a new hope originally in the movie theater, but I think I had it on VHS and all that stuff. So then when it came out in ninety seven I like seeing the differences between what I remember seeing on VHS versus the, the digitally remastered and special sure. edition and all that stuff. So it was fun for me, especially seeing all those little cutscenes Cause it's like, these are the scenes that you knew George wish he could have put in in 77, but he didn't have a, the technology, the time and the money to add all these extra scenes. So it was mm -hmm. cool that you guys were able to add all them in there. Um, how much do you listen to, I, I, I don't know if you know this or not, but Star Wars fans are very cynical. Yeah. Um, yeah. So after after you're done doing all this and you guys are so proud of all the work that you did, minus Han Solo moving up and down over Jabba's tail, uh, all that stuff. And then people are very so cynical. Critical. It critical. Yeah, very critical. Did, did, it, did you guys, were you guys like, what the heck? Like, we did all this. We tried our best. We did this. And, and you're, you're not happy. Like, was it frustrating to you or were you, were you just like, whatever? I think what the frustrating part was, it was because they called it a special edition. Right. And so from the very, very, very beginning that I heard about it, it was called a new hope special edition. So just the word special edition suggests it's a version optional version. Right. Doesn't it? I mean, why would you call it a special edition if it wasn't special or wasn't right, an edition? Sure. Yeah. So, I always say that uh, I think George did himself a disservice by pretending the originals never happened. Right. Okay. He should have had two versions. Yeah. 1977 and the 1997. Sure. And the two should have coexisted. The fact that he got rid of the original is where I get the hate then. Okay. okay. Because because then everyone says, well, the special edition is now the definitive vision. It's like, yeah. well, when did that happen? Why did they ever call it a special edition unless it was a marketing thing? to get right. people to come to the theaters, but quite special, then all the original fans might come in to see what right. makes it so special. But I think the disservice was done in George rejecting what he had done in 1977 as being not as good as, when it was as good as for different reasons. Sure, yeah. There were, there were, there were things I hate about the special edition, that, oh, yeah. and I worked on it. I, I hate the, the fact that they messed with uh, Greedo's scene. Sure. I hate the fact that they forced me to do that whole Ronto rearing shot. <laughs> um, but I also say that I feel the fans aren't don't realize how lucky they were that a fan, uh, me being a big fan, actually got to do a lot of the work because yeah. there were a lot of people at ILM that didn't give a shit about Star Wars. Sure. The guy that did the modeling for me didn't give a shit about Star Wars. 
He yeah. didn't didn't care about it. it didn't didn't right. interest him. I was like, was why, are you, working yeah. why yeah. are you working yeah. here? Yeah, why are you working here? Yeah, you could be working anywhere. You're, yeah. you're like you're an ILM. Yeah. Like this why? is yeah. There's a million yeah. Star Wars fans out there that would die to have that modeling job. But but we've learned that in the past couple of years with like Dave Filoni. You know, you get like a, mm -hmm. a guy like Dave Filoni who's a fan, a fan, who's yeah, in charge fan. of things. And the fans, yeah. yeah, they they care. They want a product that they're going to be happy with because it's something that they care about. Mm -hmm. So you're 100 yeah. percent right. Like like having someone and and it, it's maybe like a fan like me who's not really like plugged into how important animating is might not realize how important it is to have a fan at the helm in that situation, but it is right. Yeah. Because, oh, yeah. because it's about pride in your work. And, mm -hmm. and when you have a pride in, in your work and you really want to see the franchise succeed. Uh, and that's why I mean, that's why we thank you. Mark. Yeah. I mean, like <laughs> yeah. we are fans. We, some of us know, some of us know. <laughs> but the other thing is that it was funny that they were pointing at me. Like they hated me. For yeah. the fact that this movie existed like I had a say in it. Right, right, yeah. The internet. Like, yeah. I, I, I had, like, it was, I might, oh, yeah, I think we need to make a special edition. Yeah. <laughs> and I forced George to make it. Yeah, that's yeah, right. yeah. Okay, I'll make it, I'll make it, I'll make it. Like, that but, was me. I, that I, reminds I me, I, I'm sure you've seen the newer movies and, and have seen all mm -hmm. the drama with, like, Rose Tico. Uh, yeah. Who I think did a great job in in the movies. I think everyone did a great job in the in the sequel trilogy. Uh, I, I'm not 100 percent satisfied with the, the direction it went or or the the planning no. of it. But but I'm a Star Wars fan, and if it's a Star Wars product, I'm gonna like it. Um, but you see how people treated you know Rose Tico, and it's like, yeah. do you think she wrote her part? Like, do you, <laughs> yeah. do you, how much creative creative uh, license do you think she had over this? It's yeah. it's Disney. She she wasn't <laughs> she wasn't going there and say no. Uh, write me a smaller part. Yeah. Make make my part less meaningful. Yeah. This is what I want you to do. Okay, but it, say she did say I hate the way this is written. I refuse to do it. They would have hired somebody else. Sure, right, yeah. exactly. So they would it's just... like it's it's how can you blame her for? Yeah doing what she was told to do. Mm -hmm. And plus, when you're making a movie, you really are investing a lot of faith into your director. Right. Yeah. To, to take that footage you've contributed to and make it into something great. You know, it's a, a movie isn't made by one person. Right. It, it right. isn't one person. One person can opt to make it, like Rick McCallum and George probably got together and thought, let's make special editions. But it takes an army of people to... To, to make it and so you really don't know until you see that movie finished what that movie is gonna even look like right, right. exactly like you, everyone thinks you have prior knowledge of what the <laughs> end result's gonna be sure yeah yeah and you know as a musician i think about it often too because you know i'm, I'm a big fan of john williams you know you can't be mm -hmm. a star wars fan without being a fan of john williams uh and i'm a music teacher so i teach in my class about you know they they get this blank slate essentially and they're like all right now you got to write the music for it so it's that yeah. same thing like like i i look at this scene where like you know kylo ren is like brooding and it's like this all this like space with this great music behind it but he didn't know that great music would be behind it when he was Acting. He was acting it, yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. So no. it's you're right. It does take this whole village to create this one masterpiece. Actually, if you, if you ever stand and watch a film being shot, doesn't matter if it's Avengers, whatever it is, it looks boring. Yeah. Because there's no sound effects. Yeah. It's like, yeah. It's like action, blah, 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 blah. And that's it. There's and that's no it. explosions. Yeah. Uh -huh. There's no music. There's no, you know, there's nothing else. There's and even no, no, even noises of like you know traffic 
Yeah. They, they, they want to capture the voice, and that's all they want to capture. That's right. all they the voice want. and the action is in front of the camera, and nothing else exists. But when you watch that in isolation, it's very boring. Sure. So you, you even when you film in scenes, you think, oh, God, I hope that turned out okay, you know. <laughs> uh, and then you just rely, like I said, on like, – I, I had to wait till the, the Friday of that week, and then Steve came along to my uh, desk and said, you have to come along and see the, uh, the rushes. Uh, sure. So he showed me actually that the shot, the second shot where I came on and did the look around and like, walk off. Right. And if, oh my god, it looks looks like I was there. It was like yeah. uncanny. Uncanny. Yeah. Because I've like... been on the blue screen, and that's uh-huh. what I've been. You know. Yeah. And there I was in in the movie. You know, in the movie. Yeah. In the movie. You're in, in Los Angeles, man. Yeah. There's a Falcon. There's <laughs> Chewie. It's like and oh there's my you. God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> weird. Weird. You're That's like, right. it's weird. When I was standing there, I didn't notice any of this yeah. stuff, but suddenly it's all there. I don't understand how it all got there. Um, so that's awesome. Now, uh, obviously, you don't need to do this, but have you done any? I mean, I know you're, you're. I don't want to see your claim to fame, but you, you do promote the fact that you were Boba Fett in A New Hope, which is how we found you and how we, we got you here and all that stuff. So have you done like Comic Cons and stuff like that and, and gone yeah. out as, you know, Boba Fett and are people like I, I know I would be and and Nick and I have talked numerous times about how we want to be that guy in the background that's just there like the uh, the ice cream the ice machine cream running guy, guy yeah. you know <laughs> like we just want to be that one we're guy in the scene because then we can go to comic cons for the rest of our life and we're like yeah we were on set or on a blue screen or <laughs> yeah. whatever but yeah that's us yeah um, so so do you do that a lot or or just occasionally or whatever what's what how often do you do that uh well with the covid and everything it's changed yeah right? sure yeah. so before covid i was doing it a lot and i i luckily was working for a company where uh, i said to them i said is it cool if i instead of take a big vacation I, I pepper my vacation throughout the year to coincide with these long weekends right and they were cool about it because i'm a pretty fast worker and uh and you know i was doing work that they thought was good so um that's that's how it was before covid hit uh when covid hit you know it came to stop yeah um, oh yeah i've only done one which was nashville this year uh i, I tested the water again nashville okay. at the iccc big toy convention okay and uh, i'm doing some next year I, i'm okay. booking for next year but i've tried to keep this year pretty was pretty was, the, was the nashville one just recently yeah it was well, in april uh, okay because we just Oh no, okay. Because we just last month we interviewed John Jackson Miller, who's an author, Star Wars author, and he's on Facebook. You guys are friends, which means a lot because you know, that's I have five hundred friends, friends on yeah. Facebook, so you know it means a lot to you know whatever. But uh, but he just did another one. I thought he maybe I think he was in Memphis though, but I yeah. think he just did one in Memphis. So you were saying Nashville. So I got I got my uh, states confused there. So apologize yeah. for that. But yes, we'll move on. but yeah. So he just started one as well. Um, okay, so. Moving on more about you, uh, I'm looking at your bio on your page, markanthonyaustin.com. Uh, so yeah. anybody out there? I need, I need to rebuild that site. It's so old and clunky. <laughs> and there's well, no Boba Fett on there. There's no Boba oh, Fett no. on here at all. Even even in your biography, like I'm looking at your biography right now, it talks about all your movies and stuff, but nothing about Boba Fett. So you did, uh, you worked at Disney then after ILM or before ILM? Yeah. Okay, awesome. so after after ILM, then you went over to Disney, and you worked on Mickey's Philharmonic, which was the uh, 
3D attraction at Disney World. That's awesome. How magic. Sorry. Yeah. Right. I'm yeah, sorry. We, yes. We're, so we're a part of a podcast family uh, called Ears Up, and it's a Disney podcast family, and, and we've got okay. a, a couple different podcasts here. So that, that's pretty Yeah, so, pretty so they're, they're really huge with all the Disney World, Disneyland stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, so so you worked on that. So that was that's really cool. So that was that the the big nighttime spectacular show. Is that what that is, or was that? That was a, that three is a three D. Uh, so you go into the theater, and it was really weird because normally we it's hard enough to animate on in two D. Right, right. Three D, three D, which becomes two D. So it's three D characters, but ultimately you work to a camera. Right. But that show, we had to make the characters come out from the screen, and as right. they got closer they had to get bigger because yeah. otherwise they they shrink so you have to give the illusion that it's going to go over the person it was right. a very weird mind trip oh and yeah he had, he had depth behind the camera as well so i did if you've ever seen the attraction uh, i did the uh the tornado the finale oh okay so yep. when the finale hits uh, when when actually when the the hat drops off of aladdin's flying carpet that point onwards was mine so okay did, yeah. yeah i know exactly yep mickey comes on he ends up you know stopping everything and yep mm-hmm. it, yeah. it is interesting yeah. when you say you did the the tor- the tornado um like i i my my wife's friend is a, a animator i think at pixar and and we always look for his name in the credits and like you said you see all these animators and we talk about all these like it's a it takes a village like so many you could take so many people and it's like oh we have to we're our dedicated job is the backgrounds you know i mean like the landscapes and stuff so it, it is really cool like how many layers there are to animation and how many yeah. uh variables are at play and i'd imagine in 3d when you're talking about actual like glasses 3d there are even more yeah it's, it's a i've done uh i've done since then i've done more 3d shows and 3d ones are all the demands of a regular show plus another whole layer so right yeah yeah it's it's a you, like you said, you got you got to kind of wrap your head around the technology, kind of the illusion. Yeah, right. and when you're like building it in two D, you're like, okay, now this image is just taking up the whole screen, and and I can see how it like plays with your mind because you're like, no, I want to see beyond this, but it's because it's coming at you. That's why it, it feels so big and stuff when you're building it. Um, so yeah, so that's got to be that's got to be a lot of fun though, especially when you see it at the end that you're like, yes. Like just yeah. such a sigh of relief and just like, this is so cool. I did all this. Um, Chicken Little and then Bolt in Disney. So they were mm-hmm. both fun movies. Dinosaur like, as well. And Dinosaurs as well, yes. Yeah. yeah. Um, so they were all really, really cool. Uh, it's funny. I, Treasure Planet. That was Treasure awesome. Planet. Treasure Planet. Uh, Dinosaurs, Treasure Planet. Uh, Dis- Mickey. And you said there were the others. Yeah. Yes, and I got all the other ones, yes. So one of the dogs that we fostered looked just like Bolt to us. And, and we were tried so hard to keep her. Um, but all I want to do was like spray paint a little lightning bolt on her side because she looked just like Bolt. So it's awesome that you were, you were a part of that. Uh, and then you change. Then you move to, to a different uh, third floor incorporated. Mm-hmm. Um, so, and then after there, you moved somewhere else. And now you're, you're at Bozo right now. Are you still at Bozo? According to now, this, Bozo was uh, 2016. Okay. Then, then I went to MPC again. Okay. Uh, and then in 2020, the very beginning, I, I switched to Netflix. Okay. Um, and so what are you working on I, now in Netflix? Uh, I'm working on Ultraman. 
It's an okay. anime, uh, animated feature, and okay. they've announced it, so I'm allowed to say. You're allowed to talk about it. I'm allowed to say what it is. It's, uh, it's Ultraman. It's an animated feature. Okay, and what's uh, your what's by. your role on that? Uh, I'm I'm still in my cinematography kind of. I I left animation. I kind of migrated over to cinematography. Cinematography okay. just basically instead of working on individual shots, right? Like I did on New Hope and like I did in the Disney movies, you know. When, right. When Foxy Loxy comes on, that's Foxy Loxy is my character, so you have to animate that that scene. But instead of animating the trees, cinematography is looking at the forest, and it's like okay. at the whole sequence is like where you build the the rises and the falls and uh, how to how are you going to tell the story and how would you like that story to unfold in the sequence? Right. Okay. Um, when it comes to these large Hollywood movies that are expensive, I use Avengers, the first Avengers as an right. example. You can imagine that uh, if you when they shoot an Avenger, an Avengers scene, you imagine that all the people that are involved in shooting that scene, it's like an army. Yeah. Converges. You've got the light, the lighting, you've got all the gaffes, you've got the grips, you've got the cameramen, you've got all the stagehands, you, you've got the actors, you've got the director, producer, everyone's there on the stage. Uh, and it's expensive. Yeah. Every hour that all of those people are there, mm-hmm. it, makes it it's a dollar value to that yeah sure oh, yeah and they have to budget for that so very early on uh, i was called uh previs the bastard child of hollywood because okay. you will never find it on any dvd extras it's almost like they don't want to admit it exists <laughs> but for avengers i would have a virtual set and uh, and we did our homework. We we actually contacted all of the buildings in around the MetLife building, okay. which was going to be Tony Stark's tower. Right. And we asked which of these buildings can we could we get roof at, access to? Okay. So just the t- buildings that said yes, we put our cameras on there and we shot all of that. You know, all those flying aliens and you know. Sure. Yeah. Uh, we basically did it on a virtual set. We had a, a it was true to scale. It was made from Google Maps of Matt in a downtown, and uh, we have our virtual actors. But it costs, you know, whatever my hourly rate is, as opposed right. to how much it would cost for an army. Yeah. And so you can you can make that whole shot and also experiment on other ways to shoot it at the director's, you know, request or the special effects supervisor's request. He can say, "How about if we tried it for this?" And, and basically, when you're when they're happy with the shot, when the director's happy with the shot, you give him not only a blueprint of what it's going to look like, but how high the camera is off of the floor, what lens is on the camera, uh, the distance that the actor is or the subject is from the camera. You can give him all of that information so he can accurately reproduce what you've done on that virtual set in real life without any delay because everyone's on yeah. a, everyone's being paid by the hour. So uh, yeah. he knows exactly what he's doing and he can show the actors, this is exactly what you're going to do. Everyone's on the same page. And, and so Spielberg said that uh, previous saved him $8 million off of his budget for World Worlds. Wow. Oh, wow. And it, I can believe that sincerely. I can believe that's yeah, how much sure. it saved him because oh, yeah. he did all of that expensive trial and error with just a guy and a computer. 
Yeah, right. yeah. Wow. So, so it's just one person instead of an army of people yeah. trying it, trying it all out. Yeah, yeah. That's awesome. So, so that's that's basically. I fell in love with the idea that I could have that much say in in the design right. sure. of yeah. a movie and design not just uh, a shot but all these shots and how mm -hmm. they fit together, where they cut, um, and that's what I'm doing presently for Ultraman. So. Uh, I have a sequence they've given me. It's a big sequence, 3300. And uh, there's a lot going on in it. And they, they choose the areas that are the most concerned of how it's, how's, how's this 2D storyboard going to translate into 3D and look dynamic? Or how right. can we plus it to make it even more dynam dynamic? Mm -hmm. And so it's my job to to, to do a version that, you know, we, I work with the director, I show him a version. He gives his notes. I've got my notes all written down in my book. All right. I go through the shots, I make those changes, I, I edit it all together, I show him the new edit, and then once he approves it, then that gets shipped off to ILM. Make this, but make it look without, you know, yeah, all right. the bells and whistles on it. You know? Right, exactly. That's awesome. And, and do you know uh, when can we expect Ultraman on Netflix? Do you have any idea? I'm not sure, because only because like, this is the difference between Netflix and Disney. Right. Disney will d decide to greenlight a movie, and they'll have a release date already set <laughs> right they'll know with it's you know summer of you know, right. 2022 or whatever but they'll have a date set and they'll make their bookings in the theaters to reserve for that movie and so it doesn't matter what complications you meet along the way to reach that you, you have to get it done it's, by yeah, that you still have to, so, yeah. so the end date kind of just becomes it's, it's called crunch because yeah it, it just happens you, with so many people involved you, you can't expect hyper efficiency right right you can't. right there's going to be problems that haven't been foreseen you know uh netflix are whenever the movie is released we'll put it we'll put it on streaming so they have a they have an end date but they you know when covid hit they bumped the end date up a yeah. month and then another month and then it's another more like month. guidelines yeah it's, it's when it's how pirate code yeah we we will release the movie when it's good i okay. like that yeah that's a great it's, model yeah, and so I, I'm so happy now where I, I'm working. And awesome. That's, great. Yeah. That's awesome. I love you, Netflix. There you go. There you go, Netflix, <laughs> right there. Check it out. Ultraman, Lord knows when it'll come out, but when it comes out, you can bet it'll be polished and delightful because of Mark Austin right That's here. right, exactly. <laughs> All right, man. Well, well, we've taken up enough of your time. That's um, right. It's been awesome talking. It really to has. You. It's been it's been an absolute delight, Mark. I, I would Thank love so to much. talk to you for hours more, but uh, but you know, I could always come back. Well, that would be amazing. You're a, you're, it's an open door, my friend. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You are, you are Bantha Milk royalty, and you are okay. welcome any day. Okay, I'll so, be back. So we have we have a running joke that we always Dave Filoni's always penciled in to 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 be on the show, and he never makes it for some reason. <laughs> But you might actually make it at back for a That's second right. time. Uh -oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that'd be no, awesome. It's like I said. You know, we 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 hit the tip of the iceberg, really. Oh there's, yeah, there's a lot to talk about. So. Sure. Oh, yeah. Well, uh, if if you have anything else that you just wanted to plug or any any stuff coming out aside from Ultraman, this is this is your time. Otherwise, it's been a delight. I'd I'd love to plug my YouTube channel. Yeah, absolutely. Sure, yeah, go for it. Nobody visits it. Go for uh, it. But it's uh, it's just Boba Space Fat Space. Capital A N H S E, a new hope special edition. Okay. Boba Fett A N H S E. YouTube you got channel. It. YouTube channel. Yeah. Well, we will. Check you can out. even see. You can even see uh, found footage of the blue screen shoot from that December. Oh, awesome. 6th on there. 
Awesome. All right, so check him out on YouTube, A New Hope, A-N-H-S-E. It took me a second to remember that. Boba Fett. Boba Fett, A-N-H-S-E. That's right, on YouTube. Mark He's a music teacher. He's not too good with the with the letters and stuff. There's no letter H. There's no note for H. Right, exactly. You haven't seen it, but I've been refilling my I've been refilling my bantha milk here. We make do with what we can. But Mark Austin, thank you so much for being here. It's been an absolute delight, my friend. Yes, it has been. Thank you. Thank you so very much. Thank you. Um, Thank you very- we're just going to do a little bit of Star Wars news real fast. You can leave. You can listen. You can it's up to out. you, whatever you want to do. Don't feel yeah, obligated to stay. Um, but thank you so much for coming. Good. And hopefully we'll, we'll have you on again very soon. So okay. Thank you, Mark. Okay. Thank Appreciate you. you. Take Appreciate care. It. All right. That was amazing, isn't it? Anthony. I love this guy. He's awesome. Yeah, that was, that was something else. It really was. He is. He's really uh, fine. All right, so do, do you want to hit that Star Wars news? What do we got? Yeah, I can't find the news thing, but whatever. We will just go right into the news because there's a, two things. One, Trey, my son, was telling me that uh, the Star Wars theme park hotel is now uh, booking. Okay. So you can now book the hotel. Now, I don't know if you know much about this. Maybe Mark knows about it because he's in, he's in the know. He's out there sure. in Hollywood. Sure. But the Star Wars Hotel, it's a three-day excursion where you stay in the hotel for three days. Okay. Um, I have all kinds of things. They can teach you how to play sabak. Um, you go to lightsaber training. You do this. You do that. As soon as you walk into the hotel, it's you're immersed experience. in Star Wars. Sure. Yes. So you can't just go and leave and go to the park. You're there for three days. Uh, they have it broken down by the day and by the hour. Now, while they say it's three days, arrival time on day one is at one o'clock. That's pretty late. So it's pretty you late. You missed most of your day already. Yeah. You're there for the full day on Tuesday and then day three or day two, I'm sorry. And then day three, you leave between uh, launch pod to terminal between 930 and 10 in the morning. That's less than two days. So, yes. So, there. but you're booked there for two nights, three days. You ready for the pricing? No. The... Uh, let me get to the other picture. It's crazy. Uh, of course he doesn't send me that, uh, pricing. We'll just say this for a family of two, three or four, it's basically going to come down to between five and $6,000 for three days, for three days. Wow. For for depending on how many people it is, the more people you have, you know, it's a little bit of a discount, but it still works out to being about the same thing, about six thousand dollars for three days. I talk to my wife all the time about like going on a vacation and we're big Star Wars fans, but like can you imagine like that's that's a that's a, a decent percentage of what I make per year. Oh I'm yeah. Spend that on three for out three, of three hundred. And it's not even a full days. three days, it's like 50 hours basically total yeah so so it's crazy so so uh yeah so i just wanted to put that out there so if you have six thousand dollars laying around and you want to spend three days in a disney hotel you are more than welcome to do it uh they do take you to galaxy's edge um and i think you might have like exclusive time in galaxy's edge which is pretty cool uh and then but six thousand uh, yeah. dollars? I mean, yeah, you're gonna have people money. who pay it because you have people who just put stuff on their credit card and don't care. Um, 
but I think that's ridiculous. Uh, more, that's more than Red Five cost. And by the way, yes. I did I did drive Red Five. If if you're a Bantha Milk uh, diehard, you know that we we named my motorcycle Red Five. Oh, uh, and she's parked right outside right now. I did drive Red yes. Five to Rob's house tonight. And there is, um, we did have one complaint about that. Okay, go on. We had a fan, uh, Brandon, who did put in a, a recommendation. Uh, Chewbica. Chewbica. I did see that. I apologize. So here's the problem with with all our. We have so many. We have our Instagram. We have the Facebook group, which is Sacred Jedi Texts. We have our Facebook page. So we get we we sent this out to everything, and we got so many different responses in different places that I missed one. I saw it, but I didn't mention it on air. So I did see Chewbica. It's a great one. Uh, but in the end, we did wind up going with Red Five. Yes. So, um, yeah. So, Sorry, Brandon, Brandon was upset about that. That, and we didn't even mention it at all. So Here now, you are. here is your specific shout out, Brandon. To you, Brandon. Chewbiker. The next motorcycle I get, maybe it'll be Chewbiker. It'll be Chewbiker for the next one. So, Red but then, Five but is, then the, the the gas tank's gonna have to have all sorts of. It's gonna be furry. Yeah, with the yeah. with the bandolier going yeah, across man. it. Uh, and the other news that I have. Lucasfilm has hired a deepfake artist who fixed the CGI appearance of Luke Skywalker in the most recent season of The Mandalorian. It needs it. So some fan, kind of like Mark, big fan, uh, on his own went through and re-rendered it and and updated it and changed the, the CGI and put it out on YouTube, and people fell in love with it. So much so that even uh, uh, ILM fell in love with it and hired him. Great. Now, can you imagine his first day at work? Being like, <laughs> hey, man, I hey. saw what you did. It sucked. I made it better. <laughs> I almost fall out of my fell out of my chair. That's great. Oh, my man. God. He's like, yeah, I'm only here because you guys did such yep. a crappy job of it yep. that they had to bring me an outsider in. That's right. So I found that pretty funny. There is also a little bit of video game news. Jedi Fallen Order, there has been... They released like a stock update for their shareholders. Okay. And it looks like they are working on some sort of uh, sequel to Je- Jedi Fallen Order. Oh, awesome. I don't know if it's going to be the same continuity, whether they're going to do Jedi Fallen Order or whether it's going to be Jedi something else. But it looks okay. like there's another single player uh, Star Wars adventure to come out on next gen consoles, probably Xbox One and uh, PS5. Awesome. That is very so, exciting. Something to think about. That that was one of the best Star Wars video games put out in recent memory. So check it out. Um, but yeah, I think that's. I think are we Star Wars news down? I think we are. I mean, Star we had Wars a whole discussion think... with uh, Mark Anthony Austin. I know we had so much. Awesome we didn't dude. even get into our whole opening where we talk about where you can find us now that it's an hour in. That's true. So real fast. Hit us up on Facebook. Yeah, Facebook. Bantha Milk Podcast. Bantha Milk Podcast. Instagram at Bantha Milk Podcast. Yep. Twitter at Bantha, Bantha Milk. Milk. That's it. Um, right. We were drinking once again. Nick had uh, some uh, bourbon over there. Yes. I once again had some Space Camper from Boulevard. Oh, there was one other thing. Darn it. I'm not even going to be able to find it now. But there was a beer in um, Florida, which I tried to find up here. Okay. But couldn't find it up here. Uh, they only have it in their – oops, I'm on the wrong Instagram account. They only have it in their brew house down in Orlando. So if you're in Orlando um, – all our Orlandian friends. Yes. Check out – of course, now I can't find it. Darn it. Um, give me one second. Talk amongst yourselves over there, Nick. Entertain yeah. yourself. So did you hear the one about Luke Skywalker and the Tauntaun? <laughs> no, tell us. 
Uh, well, no, I don't have okay. any punchline to this. Tactical Brewing Tactical Company. Tactical Brewery, thank you for saving yes, me. Yes, Tactical Brewing Company has a beer uh, with oops, with uh, Admiral Akbar on it. Right. And it's called It's Untapped. It's Untapped, all right. Instead of It's a Trap. And it is a, uh, I think it's an IPA, Tactical Brewing, Apple Cobbler and Vanilla Ice Cream Porter. Oh, a porter, all right. Uh, sour. I'm sorry. Apple cobbler and vanilla ice cream sour. Sour. It's a sour. So if you're down in the Orlando area, go to Tactical Brewing, and it has Admiral Akbar on the cover. So look for Admiral Akbar, and that's it's, it's untapped. untapped. And uh, I tried to get it, but it's only available down there. So if anybody's down in the Orlando area and wants to send us some, please feel free to do so. That's right. To Bantha Milk headquarters. Yes. So. All right. I think that's it. This that's was it's amazing. Been a, this it's been a awesome. jam-packed episode of Bantha Holy Milk cow. Podcast. Mark Anthony Austin. Such a pleasure to have him on. Yes. Someone who is in the Star Wars zeitgeist. We're really stepping it up here. We right? are stepping we're, it up we're, here. We're up in our game. We got you Star can... Wars authors, now Star Wars editors, animators, and right? animators. Just I wait. Mean, Dave next? is going to be in any moment. It's got to be Dave Filoni. He's got to be here next. Any I mean, moment. It's the only, only way to go. That's right. Way to go. Only up from here. Only up from here. That's uh, right. But yeah, it has been an absolute delight uh, here at Band Milk headquarters, all the way in sunny New Jersey. Yep. Uh, I am Nick. This is Rob. And from all of us, we have spoken. We have spoken. <laughs>